It's uh, a great joy to hear and to witness the Lord using NLBC. You know, it, it is a joy that the Lord has granted us. It's a privilege that we would be used to proclaim His Word. We're starting a new series, as mentioned, and it's uh, going to be for a couple of weeks. It's called Living by the Book. And if you haven't figured it out, the book is the Bible here. And our focus is going to be primarily on Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. In all the books combined, it is the longest chapter. And this psalm is what people would call an acrostic psalm. Now, I know that sounds like something you've never heard. I, I've never heard it until I had to prepare. So, acrostic psalm, what does it mean? So, it is a creative, unique way where someone arranges a word, arranges the passage, where either every beginning letter of each sentence spells out a word or it references an alphabet. So, in Psalm 119, there are 22 sections which are connected to the 22 Hebrew letters. Each section has eight verses in it. So 22 into 8, 176 verses in total. So the first Hebrew alphabet is Aleph. And you'll see that when you look in Psalm 119. And each of those eight verses start off with the letter Aleph. And it goes on and so forth. So here the psalmist has taken such um, immense lengths to exercise the creativity by the Spirit of the Lord to bring forth and exalt the importance of the Word of God in our lives. So this is Psalm 119 verses 1 to 8 is what we're going to be focusing on today. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. O Lord, O God, we have read your word, and we ask, O Father, that this time your word alone be heard. Open up our hearts, remove all distractions and disturbances, O Lord, and we pray that we would be attentive. Let your spirit work in us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. You see, the psalmist here starts with the word blessed. That's a bold statement. And he captures the attention of every reader. Blessed? I mean, did he just say blessed? Now, if I were to ask you, what does it mean when someone uses the word blessed? What does blessed mean? Does it mean that, hey, I have fame? Does it mean that I have materialistic goods? Does it mean I have an education or I have a family and a full quiver of kids? What does it mean to be blessed? Well, you might be surprised to know that it means 
happy. Happy. Happy are those whose way is blameless. Happiness. You know, you've heard this over and over again. I've heard this. I've, I've said the same. You know, you think that, oh, I'd be happy if I got into that university. Oh, I'd be happier if I had more money. Oh, if I had more time, I'd be happy. Oh, if I traveled more, I'd be happier. Or if I ate the best foods that the world could offer, I'd be more happier. Oh, if I had kids later, if I had married later or married earlier or a different job, if I had more kids, fewer kids, oh, if my husband loved me or if my wife respected me, I'd be happier. Happiness. What all of humanity is seeking. And here, the psalmist has stated that he knows the secret. He knows the truth. You know, psychologists over the years have like many paths to happiness. I was reading a couple of articles over the years, and at one point they had three steps to happiness. Then there was like seven things to do for happiness, and now, like late last year, it's 23. 23 things that you need to do to be happy. You know, as we were talking about the soccer clinic, you know, we had the opportunity to sit down in the huddles, and I on Friday, I sat down with a bunch of the kids, and, and they were excited. You know, they didn't lose. Both teams had tied. It was 2-2. And so they were like, hey, it's better than losing. And I'm like, oh, you're excited about soccer. I mean, which ones of you want to be soccer players? And a few of them were like, me, me, me. And I'm like, and then what? Well, I'm going to play soccer all my life. And then, and then what? I'm going to live the life. I'm like, what does an eight-year-old define living the life as? I mean, I didn't get to ask them that. But their intention is, I'm going to live the life. And then what? Um, one of them were like, grow old. And then what? And it got quiet. With all that excitement, it got quiet. And they said, well, we'll die. We won't be here. And then what? We stand before God. You see... It is so crucial for us to understand what's at the end of the tunnel. What is at the end of the tunnel? And here the psalmist brings to us the importance that, hey, if you are pursuing happiness, it is not in all of these things, but it is found where? And that's my main point, the path to happiness. And it's a twofold path. One, blessedness and happiness is found in Christ Jesus. Blessedness and happiness is found in living blamelessly. See, the psalmist here talks about those who are blameless and undefiled. They're the ones who, who, are, who are blessed. And my question is, is it possible to be blameless, to be upright, to be above reproach? Today, the answer is yes. Scripture talks about a couple of people who are blameless in their lives. And I want to go into the Old Testament because the psalmist here is pre the cross ever existing. Noah and Abraham are examples we know the psalmist would be very well aware of. In Genesis 6 verses 8 to 9, it says, Noah, but, but Noah found favor, grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man blessed 
blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And what does Abraham do? He fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Hmm. Hebrews 11 verses 6 to 10. These are the very same people that we see in the hall of faith. What is said here? And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The psalmist here understands that one, a person, is justified by faith alone. And here's the thing I want us to understand, and it is their, wo- their faith worked through love which pro- produced blamelessness and uprightness and integrity and righteousness. You see, there are two things in Noah and Abraham's context that I want us to kind of highlight. First one is that Noah being warned of God, uh, by God concerning events as yet unseen. God had warned him about events yet unseen. And Abraham, it says, and he went out not knowing where he was going. See, that is an example of faith. When God speaks, not knowing what is to happen, exercising your trust. See, Noah here trusted and placed his faith in God. And he was saved. He believed that the Lord had stated that despite the circumstances that he was in, he trusted God. And his trust and his faith was manifested. And so was his trust and faith manifested by the action. Likewise, we are called to exercise faith, to be blameless. For the word of God states this, For all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have failed His standards, His righteous rules. And the Word of God proclaims that the wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God. And God, who is both holy and loving, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, sinless to pay the price. You see, a good judge expects the price to be paid. But a loving judge pays the price for you. You see, he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. 
by dying on the cross of Calvary. He was buried and rose again on the third day, and this is a historical fact with no evidences that can deny it. So today here, as we sit here, the offer stands to all those who know that they are not perfect and that they have sinned against a holy God. The day of judgment is coming, and we all will stand before God one day. But for those who trust in the finished work of Christ is saved. And happiness, blessedness is theirs to claim. You know, just as you would put a, your trust in a life jacket if, if a boat was sinking and you jump into the waters, you trust that life jacket. That is what it means to trust in Jesus Christ. It isn't a prayer you say. It's exercising faith. And just as the psalmist says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, he basically states that those who exercise trust in God now has the ability, now that they have been redeemed, to work out their faith. Faith is active. Our faith and our trust is evident in the way we live our life. You see, the blameless character of Christians is the intention of God. God intends each and every one of us to be blameless. You see this in Ephesians 1 verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Christ's love and sacrifice to the church was such that he could present her to himself without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, Christ, our position in Christ, allows us to be blameless. It's not earned by personal ways. I want to make sure, make sure we understand that. It's granted by the death and resurrection of Christ. However, in light of this position that we have in Christ Jesus, we are called to live in such a way as to gain the quality of blamelessness. It is seen in the Word of God that blamelessness here refers to a public respect as an outgrowth of private moral character. Now let me kind of break that down. For those of us who claim to be followers of Christ who are redeemed, who in Christ are blameless because in, in, in the sight of God, that moral character changes the way we live our life. And here the psalmist wants us to be very, very clear about that. It, you know, in, in Peter 3 verses 14, it says, Christians must be, we must be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. By growing in discernment and avoiding a critical spirit, believers can become pure and blameless in an age marked by wickedness. That's what Philippians chapter 1 verses 10 says and 2 verses 14 to 15. You see, happiness is truly found, blessedness is truly found in those who are redeemed by Christ and in being redeemed by Christ can Walk in the word of God. Charles Spurgeon stated this, Christ is our way, 
And we are not only alive in Christ, but we are to live in Christ. The sorrow is that we bespatter His holy way with our selfishness, self-exaltation, willfulness, and carnality. And so we miss a great measure of the blessedness or happiness which is in Him as our way. You see, a believer who errs is still saved, but the joy of his salvation is not experienced by him. He is rescued, but not enriched, greatly born with, but not greatly blessed. That's why when I look at the psalm, I see it as a twofold blessedness. The psalmist goes on to say, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You know, here you have this, this, this picture of one who says, Lord, your word, your testimonies, what you have declared is true. I want to keep them. And I want to seek after you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, my whole being. I want to seek you. It is like, for example, a very tiny small example here. You lose your car keys and you have one car. You will be turning that house inside and out trying to find out where the car keys are. Here's one who says, I want to seek you with my whole heart. I will not stop. And he says, so this one, this person who is happy is one who holds the testimonies of the Lord, who seeks him with all their heart. And he adds these two things. They walk in his way. This walk here is basically in their life. They walk according to his way, and they do no wrong. When you walk, it's following his ways, but it's potentially possible for you to go off the path. But this one says, no, he stays on the path. He stays on the path. And then verse 4, the psalmist speaks to God. You know, it's like when people say, well, why? You know, kids always ask when you tell them to do something, like, why? 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 And the psalmist here, and we ask, why? Why do we have to keep the law? Why do, why do, I mean, why do we have to keep the word of God? And he says, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. It's because he's the creator of this universe. He has commanded all of humanity to keep his precepts. The creator has given the instruction manual. It is the way this world is designed. If you want to live in it, you follow the manual. I know a brother last week talked about the IKEA manual and how, you know, if you don't follow the manual, just try to run with it yourself. There's a high probability that it's going to be off. How then can we expect living our lives not following the instruction manual that the Creator has provided us. And here in verses 5, you can see the plea of the psalmist. He says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. You know, in KJV, it says, Oh, that my ways were directed. NET, it says, If only I was predisposed. If only I was predisposed. So here the psalmist says, I know the path to happiness is your word, O Lord. 
I know it is the instruction manual. It is the way to life. But oh, if I was predisposed to follow it. He acknowledges the struggle that each and every human being endures. You know, the um, illustration, uh, or actually the verse, the spirit is willing, but the flesh indeed is weak. You know, there are times when I pray to the Lord and I say, Lord, just make me a robot. Because I'm just tired of the choices I make and the mistakes I make. I just want to adore you. And I'm tired and I'm sick and tired of me slipping from the path. And here the psalmist is literally saying that, oh, that my, my ways may be steadfast. And then he says, then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Then I shall not be put to shame. And here is a character of one who follows God. When they fall off the path and way, what happens? They're ashamed. When a person who's pursuing happiness, pursuing to be blessed, pursuing God, when they fall off the way, they're ashamed. But he says, oh, if my way was steadfast, then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. But then... After he's confessed, he says this, I will praise your righteous, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. He doesn't remain in the state of being ashamed. He steps up and says, I will praise you with an upright heart. That means I will get up and I will strive to please you and follow your law more than anything else. It is so hard for me to believe people who say that they are Christians or followers of Christ and there is no pursuit of being blameless in their life. It baffles me. I struggle to comprehend it in light of Scripture. It doesn't gel with the testimonies of Scripture. For the one who is blameless seeks after the Word of God and is contrite in spirit and seeks to confess of his ways and turn back to the Word. And the psalmist here says, at the end, after he claims, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. The psalmist pleads with the Lord to never forsake him. And I think of us, you know, we have the privilege of knowing the Lord because Christ was forsaken. Christ says he will never leave you nor forsake you. And here we have the psalmist And here we have us today who are blessed if we have embraced the gospel truth because what is the opposite of blessedness? Curse. Because our Savior, Jesus Christ, took upon your punishment. He was forsaken 
so that you today would not be forsaken. Double or twofold blessedness. And I want, I want to leave all of you with, you know, some practical ways on how to pursue God's word. You know, every day that you wake up, embrace the gospel, the reality of what God has done for you. Get into his presence and praise him for it. Understand what it is that lies at the end of your life. Because the moment you take your eyes off of reality, you get blinded by, 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 by the things of the world. You lose track of what true happiness is and where it is found. Secondly, come out to hear his word. Come out to hear his word. I remember more than 20 years ago, never thought I'd say in a sentence 20 years ago, but here I am. <laughs> My sister and I, you know, got into having pen pals. Uh, you know, peop- you know, if you don't know what a pen pal is, it's people who regularly write to each other. You mail it, get a response. Maybe I go, gosh, in maybe three weeks, a month. So this person was on the other side of the world. And um, my sister had a pen pal, and her sister became my pen pal. We were writing letters, and I was always waiting for her letters. I'm like, wow, there's someone across the world who wants to talk to me. And here I am writing my letters, trying to make it look nice, and I'm waiting for it. And when you get it, you're excited. You read it, and you reread it. English was in the common language. You want to make sure you understood everything. That's what a friendship, a fellowship looks like. And here God has given, him, given us his letter, his love letter to us. And do we seek it? Do we want to understand, read it, and reread it, and, and say, oh, did I miss something here? Do I see the heart of God in this? The answer is yes, but you got to read it. You see, Come out to hear his word. You know, the, the Lord, as, uh, the, Jesus Christ, as a child in age 12, didn't need to be dragged to the house of the Lord. His parents left, but he was still there. And so should we be like him. Be there for the word of God, the sermons being, being preached. Be attentive. Sometimes it troubles me when, when I feel that believers who follow Christ exalt the Lord's Supper more than the word of God. One is not placed higher than the other. Equally important. Equally important. And I know that um, preachers have a role to make a sermon so interesting that you are an involuntary listener, that you don't have to strive to listen. And yes, there's an onus on us. But when the word of God is preached, exercise voluntary listening. That means I'm going to try my best not to be distracted because the word of God is going to be preached and I want to be attentive. Very practical, get sleep. (laughs) You know, before the Sunday. Get eight hours, 12 hours, I'm not going to be prescriptive. Come here well rested. Put your phone notifications on, the word of God. And here's the thing. And I was reading some of the, uh, the letters back in, in when the church began. 
They preached for hours. The word of God was preached for hours, and today we've crunched it down to 30 minutes, and that's how much we can handle for a week. These are practical things, brothers and sisters. And here's what I want to say is ask someone to help you out if you're struggling with it. If you're struggling to read God's word, sit down with someone. Build a plan where they can hold you accountable. They can read with you. And follow his word, his commands. You want happiness? It's found in obeying God's word. If he asks you, to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love him. Strive for that. If he asks you to love your neighbors as yourself, love them as yourself. If the Lord asks you to forgive, forgive them. If, you, if the Lord asks you to hold back your anger, hold back your anger. And the Lord asks you to worship him, worship him. If the, if the Lord says, do not forsake the gathering of his people, don't forsake it. If the Lord has stated that he hates the prideful, don't be prideful. First John 3, verses 9 to 10 says this, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Brothers and sisters, I pray that today that we would understand that true happiness lies in being blameless in Christ and pursuing to be undefiled, pursuing his word, striving to pick out every single detail and nuance and commandment and precept and law and testimonies, everything that the Lord has said, that's where happiness is found. Father, we thank you, O Lord God. For your word. Lord, we, when we read your psalm, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the price that he paid on our behalf and we accept it. And we pray, oh Lord, would you help us to be blameless in our ways. Oh Lord, will you help us to keep your testimonies? Will you help us to seek you after, seek after you with all our heart? That we would do no wrong. That we would walk in your ways. Oh, Father, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us. Oh, if we are not predisposed to be steadfast in your ways, but we pray, O oh Lord, would you guide us? And you, would you forgive us of our iniquities? O oh Lord, if there are any of us here, any of us, O oh Lord, who have lived in sin, we pray, O oh Lord, would you reveal, O oh Lord, the sin to us, that we would seek your forgiveness. And Lord, let us get back on the path of exalting your name and being blessed. Father, thank you so much for we pray this in the name of our Lord and your beloved Son, Jesus Christ.